Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to a new podcast, The Paddock and the Pavilion with Stephen Wallace. In each show, Stephen will interview someone connected to the world of horse racing or cricket. Hello and welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion. Today we are back in the pavilion with Warwickshire's opening bowler, Ollie Hannan Dolby, before we take a short break until early December. Remember to let your friends know about the podcast, give us a rating and subscribe to the show on all the usual outlets. Welcome to The Paddock and the Pavilion, Ollie. Uh, thank you for having me. Nice to be here. Well, thanks for joining me in the pavilion. What's life like as a professional cricketer in November during a lockdown? Uh, well, in a normal year in November, we'd just be sort of creeping back to, yeah, it's middle of November now, we'd just be creeping back towards um, getting back in the ground. So the dreaded fitness testing, you've spent October is our time off, so you've spent October doing what you want, various end of season do's, bit of golf and whatnot. So you've, you've let yourself get out of shape in October. And there's, there's the dreaded going back to the ground for the fitness testing. You've got the, the bleep test, the yo-yo test, and the, we do fat tests. So there's various sites all over your body where the S&C will come and pinch you and see how fat you've got. So that's not happening this year, which some some will quite like because like <laughs> that big test that see how, how fat you've got over October is not going to be there. But um, it, we've literally just got through this week. We've got we've got a fitness program come through, so it's it's sort of crack on yourselves at home and um, get on with your own fitness work at home, really. So so that's what we're doing. And you've been working a little bit on the uh, bear pods as well. I've heard on the on the uh, Twitter yeah, feeds. Yeah, that's something we do throughout the summer. Really, it coincides with the um, the T20 campaign normally. So um, yeah, it's it's the bears pod blast, and it's a podcast much like your own, and you know, we just talk a lot, a lot of Talk a lot of nonsense about cricket, really. It's good fun. <laughs> yeah, well, I've listened to them a bit, little bit, so uh, they are quite good fun. But before talking about your career, um, you're the PCA rep for Warwickshire. Yeah. I wanted to wanted to get an insight into the effect, short, medium, and long term of of COVID on county cricketers. We hear about footballers' salaries and things like that, but you know, contract-wise, job security. What can you tell me about that? Well, I mean, it's, it's much like every industry, really, you know, massive upheaval, massive sort of uncertainty, really. Um, in the short term, um, I mean, a lot was sort of sacrificed this year. I, I don't know the exact figure I should should do. I think it's about £6 million the players sort of helped put back into the game. We all we all accepted pay cuts uh, and we all sacrificed um, various pots of prize money, um, as well as a li- little bit of our pension payments from the clubs just to, just to help the clubs out, really, and to to make sure clubs didn't go bust. So in the immediate term, you know, players 
sacrificed a little bit this summer. We like I say pay cuts and whatnot and, and prize money. Um, in the medium term, there's just there's just uncertainty. We just don't know. I mean, a cricket career is uncertain as it is. You know, you, you've only signed two year contracts, really, maybe a three year deal. Um, so you know, you, you've always got uncertainty hanging over your head about you know, is this my last year as a cricketer? And the given that crowds are not allowed in grounds right now, most clubs, um, you know, have this uncertainty about their finances. So just massive sort of uncertainty about whether you know. Are you going to get a contract next year? Is the club going to go under? You know, all that sort of thing is, you know, difficult to deal with. And I think it's, it's already been documented, the, the ECB saying that if they can't have crowds next year, we won't see the, the bubbles that they put on this year. I mean, just to watch the cricket this year, I thought was absolutely brilliant. You know, the Pakistan series, the West Indies series, I thought was absolutely great. But I think the ECB have already said that cost a hell of a lot of money. And um, they won't be sort of doing that again, or they can't afford to do that again. And that trickles down. That trickles down to county cricket. that will trickle down to, you know, club cricket. It's, it's, it's not great. So hopefully, we're all hoping that by the summer we'll be able to get crowds in and, and get things um, get things going again. Well, thank you for that. Do you think that some players might just like in years gone by just be on summer contracts rather than twelve month ones? Uh, well, I mean, it's sort of it. <laughs> Trickily, this has come as a real tricky time because the, the PC have gone to massive lengths to sort of stop that happening. Literally, we just signed a deal at the end of last year, this new county partnership agreement to look after lads because there was a, there was a bit of not almost naughtiness, I think, sometimes, you know, where a, a young lad straight out of uni might get given a, a summer deal for not a lot of money. And when you come, when you think about the hours a, a player might work, you know, like I said, it, it is still work when you start getting paid and whatnot. Um, it equated to not a lot of cash, and you know it was it wasn't right. So the the PCA went to great lengths to stop to stop that, and we've got this new Pankish part, County Partnership Agreement. Unfortunately, COVID's happened, and now yeah, yeah, I'd, I'd probably take that that summer contracts might make sense financially for clubs again, and might make sense for players. You know, like I say, perfect cases if you're at uni, you being a you being a young lad, maybe a summer contract might might make sense. So yeah, I mean that's that's above my pay grade I'm afraid but yeah I, I could see that could see that happening again yeah well there's some interesting points there but let's go back to your own career um take you back to the beginning when did you first start to play cricket uh I probably first started playing when I was about 10 10 years old I mean I grew up at cricket clubs really I, I grew up in Halifax um my dad played my uncles played my my, my cousin played for, for local teams so I mean my mum tells a story that I went down to the cricket ground my first cricket club when I was five days old. So I was always there, you know, much like most like most young men um, who grew up at cricket clubs, learned to bat and ball in the outfield, playing football in the outfield, riding my bike in the outfield, just sort of loving life down down at a sunny cricket club on a Saturday afternoon was was a great great way to spend your weekend. So, yeah, I, I was always in and around the cricket club, but sort of playing competitively. I'd have been about 10 years old when I finally started, started playing games, I think. You're not always very popular with the groundsman when you're on your cycle, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> no, probably not. But that's like I say, it's probably the, the case all over the country that you know little kids are there watching the the dads playing, causing carnage on the sidelines. <laughs> that's right. Uh, but when did you you first think you could play cricket for a living? I just I did it. Just it was really fortuitous. Really, um, I was the only person at my school who played cricket really literally you know it was a football school it was a rugby league school playing cricket everyone was sort of frowned at you saying what are you doing that for you know what a wally sport that is 
Um, but because I was the only player who played, a person at school who played cricket, um, when the school got an email or a letter saying there's Yorkshire trials, um, have you got anyone who might be interested? I was literally the only one in the school who might be, <laughs> might be interested. So it was a school teacher who sent me, sent me for the trial. Um, and luckily, you know, I did well and got through, I think there were two or three trials I had to get through to get picked for the under 15 under 15 B team at the time at Yorkshire and sort of from then on in I was like oh wow this is amazing you know this is something I'd love to do and there was just you know it was just a progression of right I started in the B team and I wanted to get on the A team and once I got in the A team I wanted to you know get on the Yorkshire scholarship program and once you know it just sort of progressed from there so I'd say from the age of about 15 16 I thought yeah geez I want to I want to give this a really good go this is exciting I could really could really make something of this yeah definitely and because of your height when did you when did you get this tall? Because you're six foot seven, is it? I'm six foot eight. I, I was always tall. As long as I can remember, I was, you know, the tallest in class at school from, you know, reception. But I've been about this high, I'd say, since I was about 18, 19. But I mean, I was always, the, you know, really tall for my age. But I think I've stopped growing probably about 18, 19. I'm still waiting to fill out that quite, that hasn't happened yet. I was always <laughs> told, told throughout my childhood, you know, you, you skinny lad, you'll fill out eventually, you'll stop going and fill out. I've not filled out yet, so maybe that'll happen when I'm 40, maybe. <laughs> so when did you join the Yorkshire Academy and were there any people um, that we'd know that were there at the time you were at the Academy? Oh, yeah, gosh. I mean, so like I said, the, the progression was you, you were an age group cricketer at Yorkshire and you want to get on the programme, which, which sort of meant you were on the fringe of the Academy. And I think that would have happened when I was 16, uh, 15, 16. Um, and it was great. So, I mean, Yorkshire is quite, quite a tough setup. You know, there's thousands of cricket clubs in Yorkshire, um, thousands of kids want to play cricket. So it was, it was quite a ruthless environment. And, you know, the, the, the guys in the academy with me would be, um, Rupert was there as a very young lad. I think he would be two or three years younger than me, but they sort of got him on very early. Johnny Bester was there, he was a year younger than me. Adam Lyde, the year above me. Adil Rashid a year above that and then a few years older was Adam Ochazad, Steve Patterson, a few Gail people like that so you know there's, there's, there were a lot of good cricketers flying around and you, you, yeah, it, was a, it was a good environment. So did Joe Root stand out even at two or three years younger than the age group? Like I said it was probably it was probably more than that I reckon he's four years younger than me it was oh. just it was this 12 year old lad who I think they, they didn't he didn't he wasn't there, he was on the academy but he wasn't there all the time because I think he was probably still doing schoolwork and whatnot um but yeah when he turned up it was just this tiny little lad with a perfect technique but you know he couldn't hit it very far but you everyone sort of knew like gosh when when he gets a bit bigger and stronger he's going to be frightening because he just you know he just looked technically so brilliant and um, straight away really but in my actual age group, my age, there's not many. I think it was me and Ben Sanderson that sort of left. Sander playing plays for Northampton, obviously, the very good bowler. Um, he was my exact age on the academy. Yeah, so it was me and me and Ben Sanderson, the ones who were, who were left, really. Well, I'm going to take you back now to your looking up your first second team game, whether you probably were at the academy then, in yeah. July, July 2006. Yeah. And you played at the playing fields at Stamford Bridge. Now, the name uh, sort of rang a bell with me. Obviously, it's not the football ground, Stamford Bridge, but this is the the battleground where Saxon King Harold lost to the Vikings or was defeated to the Vikings in 1066. But uh, no, um, he, won. he won. Harold Godwinson beat. Harold. Oh, Harold won. Yes, sorry, my I've, I've not read my notes very carefully here. So yeah, this was, this was when Harold won. Yes, yeah. And then he walked down all the way down to Hastings and then lost in his next match. Yeah. 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 Just, uh, I remember 
I remember doing it at A-level, and it was very fortuitous from what I remember, the fact that he had to unfortunately go up to beat Harold Hardrada at Stamford Bridge. And then just as he beat him, the wind changed, and um, William the, I won't call what he, I won't say what he was called at the time, William the beep, um, the wind changed, he was able to get over the coast, wasn't he? So the minute he finished at Stamford Bridge, he had to trek all the way down to Hastings and then yeah. take William. Yeah, it's a long walk, a long, uh, it's a long uh, trek <laughs> down there. But uh, anyway, back to your first game against Warwickshire, actually, and yeah. I noticed it was a 12-a-side game, but only 11 people batted. Yeah, I mean that still happens now. I mean, um, in in second team cricket, you've obviously got quite a lot of lads. You might have lads there from the first team. It's quite, it's quite a big mix, so you might have a, a first team player and a lad from the academy. So that playing 12 works really well in the, in the second team. Like I say, it still happens now, just for the fact that bowlers might want to, you know, you can bowl more bowlers. A young lad who's a bowler in the academy, you get to have a look at him without, you know, you're not necessarily that bothered about his batting type thing. So playing 12 in the second team always works pretty well. And you were, the one, you were the one that didn't bat, yeah. Yeah, I think I was the one that didn't bat for about three years. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. What do you remember? What do you remember about that game? Yeah, I remember my debut. Stamford Bridge was always glorious. It was always seemed to, the sun always shines when you play in York. I don't know why. Um, so yeah, we always got a good crowd in Stamford Bridge. You'd always have you know about five hundred people there watching. Um, I remember I bowled okay, but I was I was making my debut, and a, a, a um, peer of mine, James Lee, he was um, he was the same age as me, and he bowled brilliantly at the other end. He got five for. So obviously, as a young lad, you're not, not really knowing what they're about. I was like, oh, Jimmy's got five for I need a few wickets type thing. But it's obviously not the way it works. But I remember bowling pretty well. We had a good side out. We had Matthew Wood out. We had um, Richard Dawson out, um, as well as a few young lads. But yeah, I remember it was a good game. I can't remember if we won or not, but I remember Warwickshire had a good side out. Jim Trout was playing. Wokesy was playing. Um, I think Ian Westwood might have played as well. I can't remember. Uh, but I do remember my first wicket was Nick Warren. Nick Warren bowled was my first wicket in the second innings. So, um, yeah, I, I remember a bit about it, but I can't quite remember the result, if I'm honest. Well, move forward then to your first uh, first-class debut for Yorkshire, which was against Surrey in May 2008. And your first wicket was Mark Ramprakash. Yeah, it was. Uh, he was, he was, there was a bit of fanfare at the time because he was um, on 9900s. Oh, was it that time, was it? Yeah. Yeah, so I think he, I mean, it must be quite a tough situation. He might have got his, I can't, did it, was it May that, that game was, did you say May or June? It's uh, May, because he was yeah. on that 99 for quite a while, if I remember, that's, wasn't he? Yeah. That's, that's what I was going to say, is he got his 99th hundred in maybe the April, like straight away. So he had TV crews following him around for the entire summer, really. And it wasn't until the return fixture of that summer when they played Yorkshire at Headingley. So that might have been in the August, he got it then, but... Like I said, there was a big fanfare about him on his 9900s, and he just he nicked one to second slip off me on, on about 27, something like that. So, um, so yeah, there was a big fanfare about him getting me getting him out on debut, and he was on 9900s. At, at the other end, though, there wasn't much written about the fact that Mark Butcher smacked me all over the ground. <laughs> he, he got 200, and he got a brilliant, uh, brilliant double hundred, and just whacked me everywhere. It was it was scary to bowl at the time. So um, yeah, there's some nice headlines about me getting Rampa Cash out, but not too much written about um, Butcher smacking me around, <laughs> which was nice. Well, what did it mean to play for the for Yorkshire for the first time though, as yeah, a Yorkshire lad as well? It was great. I mean, it was like all, all the 
all the um, all the training sessions you do in the winter, all the training you do on your own, all the running out, you know, in the cold and the rain. It's you thinking about, yeah, I want to, and it's all for that. It's all for making your debut. It's all for doing well and playing for Yorkshire. So yeah, to do it and, and, and to play in such a great team, you know, there's some great cricketers in that team. We had Brezzy playing, we had Ran Naveed playing, Dion Cruz, Andrew Gale, Jack Rudolph. I think I was actually, um, I was taking over from um, uh, Darren Goff. Darren Goff was injured, so I actually took his spot in the team, um, which was which was nice to to see replace Goff. There was there was mm. but it was a bit of a wake up call because like like I say I. I I played that game and I did get a wicket and a bulldog okay. It was a really flat pitch as it always tends to be when a, a seamer makes the debut. But um, but it was a bit of a wake up call that you know it was tough to play first class cricket and you know I've been bowling well in the in the second team up to that. Hence we getting picked. But it was definitely a bit of a realization like ah if that's what it's like I've got a bit more bit more improving to do really. And I think I don't think I played another first class game. Well, I didn't play another first class game the entire next year, and had to wait until 2010 to play my next game. So yeah, it, it was brilliant, but I had a I had a bit of improving to do, which which I luckily did. Well, 2010, you had a good season. You got 34 wickets. Then in 11 and 12, you didn't play that much for Yorkshire. Yeah, so 2010 was great. Like played every game, like you mentioned, and you know did well. Got a few fifers. Um, and then, yeah, just the next few seasons struggled. I don't know why. Um, I don't know if it was just sophomore syndrome, as they call it. You know, people are a bit more aware of you in, in your second year. Um, but, yeah, struggled a bit the next couple of years for a bit of form. Struggled to get in the team regularly. Played a few games, but sort of was in and out. And then maybe just, I don't know, maybe when I was in, putting a bit too much pressure on myself. And then the club sort of decided to sign other players, which, you know, they were perfectly within the rights to do. Like I said, I, I wasn't sort of playing well regularly. So we, we signed people like Plonkett, Sidi uh, came back, um, Jack Brooks came, who obviously all did amazingly well for Yorkshire. And won lots of trophies for them and they're all great bowlers, but it just sort of pushed me down the pecking order a little bit, hence me, um, hence me leaving. But yeah, it was just it's hard to put my finger on, really. I think... It's hard to remember. I was, I was when I played in 2010. I think I was 20, 21, and did well. And you know, it's hard to remember that you know I was still such a young man. So those those years in 2011 and 12 and 13, I was still sort of figuring out who I was, still figuring out who I was as a bowler, still figuring out who I was as a cricketer. So yeah, I, I, I was just still doing a lot of learning there. So I, I still hadn't quite figured it out and figured out what type of bowler I was despite the success I'd had in 2010. Before you were released from Yorkshire, you did play in the Champions League. In the, yeah. Your first two T20 games were in the Champions League in South Africa when you played against the Lions and against the Chennai Super Kings with, who had MS Dhoni playing. What was that like? Well, I mean, it, it was great, actually. So I, I, I'd, had a, I'd not played all season. I think it was pretty apparent that I wasn't really in the plans and wasn't going to play for various reasons. And I, I got on that tour pretty much as a backup. I think that we had a few injuries. I was literally there as the last... You were sort of going to be the last man who was going to play, really. Um, and we did have a few injuries. So, you know, I think City went down injured, Pato went down injured, Moen Ashraf got injured. So it was like last two games... We we couldn't. I think we got through to a certain point in the tournament, and we couldn't get any further. So I was playing the last two games, and it was absolutely brilliant. Because like I said, I'd not played all summer. I, I was tearing my hair out, thinking, "Am I good enough to play? What am I doing? I'm 
sort of going around in circles technically to try to reinvent myself every other week because you know I'm not in the team so I must be doing something wrong technically which probably wasn't the case but I've got myself into a bit of a mess so to go play and just sort of have the shackles taken off a bit because I had nothing to lose we're playing a couple of T20 games that in, in reality didn't matter because we, we were sort of out of the competition so to play and I did pretty well to be honest and Played in front of a massive crowd. So my first game was against the Highfelt Lions, and they were the home team. It was you know in there in Johannesburg in their home ground. Um, so there were about twenty thousand people there watching. I think they might have been there to watch the the Chennai Super Kings and the Mumbai Indians game that was going on after <laughs> the game. But you know I'd like to say they were all there watching me. But yeah, to play, I did pretty well. You know, I, th- I think I got a couple of wickets in each game and didn't go for many runs. So sort of just to prove to myself, oh, maybe I'm not that bad, you know, despite having a poor year. And um, like I said, not being in Yorkshire's plans, I think those two games sort of proved to myself, like, oh, maybe I'm not that bad a bowler because, you know, they're two pretty hard games to play. Like you mentioned, Chennai Super Kings and, and Highfield Lions. So to play them and do OK, I think I sort of proved to myself, yeah, yeah, maybe I'm. Maybe I'm not too bad at this ball in Malacca. No, just for listeners, the, these games were played in October 2012. So the, the summer season um, in the UK is finished. And a silly question, but is it still your ambition to play in the 100? Oh, I mean, if it was, I mean, first of all, sorry, I should have explained earlier about the Champions League. It was it was a brilliant competition in that every, we, we Yorkshire didn't win the T20 that year. They came second. So every top two teams and all over the world, you know, New Zealand, India, um, South Africa, wherever, all went to a place to play in the Champions League. And it was brilliant. It was such a brilliant tournament. You know, you're having breakfast and Sachin Tendulkar walks in, you know, and Brett Lee was there with the Sydney Sixers. It was just this surreal environment to be in as a 22-year-old lad who, like I say, hadn't had the best season for Yorkshire. And all of a sudden, you know, you're having a having a beer with Brett Lee at night and whatnot. It was just absolutely brilliant. So it's it's a bit of a shame, really. It still doesn't go on because it was a it was a fantastic tournament. Um, but sorry, to, to say about the 100, I mean, if I got a chance to play in the 100, I'd love it. I'd love it. Um, I really would. For various reasons, I didn't play T10, T20 cricket this year, um, which is a bit of a shame. But, you know, if the opportunity came up to play in the 100 against the best players um, in a new format, or I know it's a bit of a controversial format, but to play on terrestrial telly against the best players in the country, the best players in the world, I think will be in that tournament. To get a chance to do that, I think will be absolutely unbelievable. Well, I'd say the, the competition is probably even more important than than ever now, I think, the 100. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously, I think a lot of money's been pumped into it. And uh, like you said, given what's gone on this year and what I mentioned earlier about the finance in the game, I think we, we everyone in the game needs this competition to be a success so whether i'm involved or not i think we, we all need to see it be successful um so that, well, yeah definitely well you joined warwickshire in 2013 they were then the county champions they'd got ian bell jonathan trott gene patel tim ambrose ricky clark chris wokes how was it different playing for warwickshire well just going into a different changing room I mean, like you said like we've mentioned here i was sort of grew up at yorkshire you know, a little bit part of the furniture type thing. So just to go into a completely new environment was scary, but also really exciting because in any in any work environment, you know, if you're there for long enough, you you know, certain things happen where you, you know people set opinions on you or whatnot. You might get pigeonholed in one being one type of player or one type of person. So just to have the you know totally blank canvas, just to say right, I can 
I can sort of reinvent myself here, fresh start. There's no one's got any opinions on me whatsoever. I can sort of do what I want. It was really, really exciting. Because it's probably safe to say at Yorkshire that I'd, I'd sort of been pigeonholed a bit of a red ball player only. Didn't, you know, they, I didn't play much white ball. I'm, I'm not sure they thought I, I was any good at white ball. So to be able to flip that round and almost, almost go out of my way at uh, Warwick should say, no, I really want to play white ball cricket. I'm, I'm dead keen to play white ball as well as red ball and, and whatnot was, was exciting. And am I right in saying in 2013 you had some injuries? As- yeah, so I mean, it started really well 2013 for me. I was in the side, played well to start with. And we, then we played a game on telly at uh, Taunton and I bowled rubbish, to be honest. I bowled terribly that game. We got hammered by uh, Somerset. They were all over us. And then, as sort of fate would have it, I had to bat out the last hour and a half, two hours with Ricky Clark to save the game. And very early on in that innings, I got whacked on the arm by Alfonso Thomas. And I didn't know at the time. I was like, oh, just gosh, that's a sore arm. But it, as it turned out, it was it broke my arm. So I, we And we managed to, to bat out for the draw. So, you know, pretty cool that I, I managed to... So, and it was just a little bit of a sore arm at the time. It felt sore and it wasn't very comfortable. But, you know, obviously, don't let the truth get in the way of a good story type thing. To, to bat with a broken arm for an hour and a half to save a game, you know, is what I'll be telling telling the grandkids um, and I think that honestly that honestly really helped because I was only on a one-year deal at Warwickshire so I, to, to do that I think really helped me because I, I then obviously had to rest the broken arm for six weeks and in my haste to come back bowled far too much far too quickly I think I think my first week back from my broken arm in the second team I bowled 60 overs just try to get get back in the first team and I had a sore back pretty much immediately. You know, I, I was I was stiff and I was sore in the back straight away. And, and lo and behold, stress fracture uh, pretty quickly. And I think that that batting performance where, yeah, I batted with a broken arm for an hour or so, I think that really helped me because the club did give me another contract. And I think I think the club sort of thought, oh, he must have a little bit about himself if he um, if he's batted with a broken arm for an hour. So I think, I think that did help me. So... I haven't said this too many times in my career, but I think my batting really helped me there. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, you're uh, not renowned. We're not renowned for your batting, but uh, yeah. 2014 became a very successful year for you, uh, being part of a winning team in the T20 competition and also reaching the final of the One Day Cup. Yeah. So, what what would you like to say about that amazing year? Well, I had a point to prove. Like I said, the year before, I'd done okay. I was probably lucky to get another deal, another one-year contract. And like I say, it was probably to do that batting performance. So I had a point to prove. I wanted to prove to this club that had just signed me that you know I was a good cricket, I was a good bowler. So I had the bit between my, twe- between my teeth, really. And it was a great year for the club. I mean, you mentioned the white ball competitions there, but we came second in the championship as well. And I think I played half those games as, as well. Um, so to finish first, second, and second in in all competitions was was pretty ridiculous, and it's you know it's not often done that by by many teams where you you do well across all competitions. And it, we just got on a roll there. It was this this brilliant feeling throughout the whole club, um, and I don't know where it started, but you know we'd, we'd win a T20 game, the day after we'd be starting a four day, and we're just like yeah we'll be fine, here. we'll win this as well, and the day after that we'll be playing a 50 over game, we're like yeah yeah we got this, we can beat these guys easily, and we just got on this ridiculous roll where, you know, we're just unbeatable. It was just ridiculous. And, you know, that momentum in, in all sports is, is really important. And it's safe to say we got on a massive roll. And, uh, yeah, it was certainly an exciting time to be in the, the Warwickshire dressing room. It was brilliant. 
Well, in the T20 final, in the final, actually, you got uh, three for 31 against Lancashire, a four-run four run win. How exciting was it to, to play in the final and win the final at Edgbaston as well? Well, yeah, I mean, that was the, thing. the whole day was brilliant. But, um, yeah, to, to win it at Edgbaston in front of our home fans and then the celebrations in the changing room after with with the team and the squad and all the office staff and all the ground staff, everyone who works at Warwickshire were there. It was That was really, really special. So, yeah, to, to win the T20 final was epic. But to do it at home, on in our home ground as well, was extra, extra special. So, yeah, that was that was brilliant. And then in 2016, you... Uh... You won the one-day final at at Lords against Surrey. Yeah. I noticed you got Kuma Sengakara out in the final. Yeah. Well, I mean that that day, um, I didn't really know if I was going to play or not. We turned up the day before, and it was a used pitch, so we're like, oh, well, I'm, I, it was sort of between me and Josh Poison, who's the leg spinner. It was like who's going to play really? I mean him. And then we saw the pitch was used, and I was like, oh, well, Josh is going to play for definite here. Um, and then sort of on the morning of the game, it's overcast, it's muggy, and then it turned out this it, the pitch was used, but it had been glued or something. Or some, I don't really know what how groundsmen do these things, but it had been glued, so it sort of might seem around. So it turns out I was playing, and they got off to an absolute flyer. Jason Roy was whacking it all over. I don't know who he opened the bat. It might have opened bat with with um, Rory Burns, but um, certainly Jason Roy was absolutely whacking it. They were 40 for non-off sticks over, so you know, ridiculous. And then Laurie Evans took a great one-handed catch at mid-wicket off uh, Chris Wright. And literally from that moment on, everything just went perfectly for us. I bowled well, Gene Patel bowled well, Tiki Javi bowled well, Chris Wright bowled well. Just every, oh, Chris Wokes, obviously, he bowled great. Just everything just went absolutely perfectly. Um, and yeah, luckily, Sangakara Kumar managed to nick a half volley down the hill and, and Tim <laughs> took which was really nice. But yeah, it was, it was an amazing feeling and the lads were very kind. They let me, so I bowled well, they let me lead the team off off the field. So to walk through the long room and have, clap, have everyone clap us through the long room was sort of an amazing feeling to lead that team off. And it, it was just, and it was daft because, you know, we had our tea, the, the food at Lords is renowned for being amazing. And, you know, 50 runs into our run chase when we were 50 for not many down, it was like, we've won this. You know, it was it was a ridiculous feeling to think that, at three o'clock on a Lord's final, like, well, we've won this, we've, we've done this, it's it's ours to lose now, we, we, and we did it. So that was a great day, really, really good fun. And obviously the game finished pretty early, we finished by four o'clock, so the celebrations were starting pretty early. <laughs> <laughs> well, it must have felt good having lost the final in 2014 as well. Yeah, and uh, like I, mean, I mentioned earlier about unfinished business, yeah, 2014 was a great year, like I say, we finished first, second and second, but we, we sort of felt we had a bit of a point to prove there because the notoriously Lords finals in September, the toss tosses mm, a, a, yeah. a, uh, and, we, and we lost that toss and we essentially opened the batting in, in 2014 in fog. It was ridiculous. It was seeming everywhere and still did pretty well. I think Jeet and Patel bowled the spell of his life that game and, and we still came pretty close to winning. So we definitely felt like in 2016, we sort of had a point to prove because we, we felt like we'd been maybe a bit hard done by in 2014. Well, if we move forward to 2019, you got 44 wickets uh, for Warwickshire and you also received your county cap. Yeah. That must have been a proud, proud thing for you to Yeah, I mean, get that's, that, cap. getting capped has been on my to-do list, you know, ever since I, you know, became a player at Yorkshire. You know, to, to be a capped county cricketer is a, is a special thing. You know, it means, you, it means you're a good county cricketer, really. 
And as you've said there, you know, through the, the period from when I joined the club to to later on in red ball cricket, um, I was sort of maybe in and out of the team. We had a great red ball side in the bowling department. Ricky Clark, Keith Barker, Chris Wright, Chris Walks, Boyd Rankin. All these guys were ahead of me, really. So I just had to bide my time. And in the years from when I joined to 2019, I was just sort of, um, I was sort of filling in, really. If they got injured, I'd, I'd come in and play a game. And that was quite difficult, really, because, you know, there was games in those previous years where I bowled really well and sort of knew I would be out of the side the week after because one of those guys were coming back. So that was, that was tough. So to get, I, I, you know, I bided my time and they, they are obviously all great bowlers. Um, and I sort of had to wait for my opportunity to play, which came in 2019. So to to do that and to prove to myself that I was a, a good first-class bowler still, and to prove to the club that you know I could open the ball in in first class cricket was was really really satisfying. And then to sort of culminate in at the end of the year getting my county cap was yeah really really special really special moment for me. And this year the Bob Willis Trophy obviously been a very strange year. Were you raring to go in August and how how was your fitness yeah. when you started? So much like most of the country, um, I kept myself pretty fit. The, the weather was glorious through lockdown, wasn't it? So yeah, I was, was, I was, yeah. a, I was able to keep myself really fit and just, you know, little silly stuff like I'd go down to the local cricket club and bowl in the nets on my own, and you know, bowl a little spell and you know, imagine who, who I might be opening the bowling to in in a few months' time if it happened. So I did keep myself ticking over. So when when we eventually got out of lockdown, we were able to train. I was in a pretty good state of repair. So just just to get out and and play cricket this summer was just absolutely brilliant. You know, there were times in lockdown where I thought we've got absolutely no chance here. So just to get out, get out and play was amazing and, and really, 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 really good. And how was it mentally playing without anybody in the ground? I know county cricket gets a bit of a bit of a stick because my 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 <laughs> dad goes, my dad goes, and it's always this one man and a dog. But there's a few more than a one man and a dog there. But what was it like with nobody there? Uh, it, pretty quickly, it was pretty normal i mean you have to obviously it's a massive shame there's no one there and that and that is the, that is a big shame and it's it's strange washing your hands every six overs but pretty quickly it's i'm a first class cricketer and at the other end is a first class batter trying to whack me all over and it's still first class cricket it's still competitive hard tough first class cricket so yeah with without a doubt we all want we all want the crowd there and and we definitely want people watching cricket as soon as possible but the standard of cricket and, and the competition didn't really change. I, think I didn't play T20 this year, but I think it would have been a lot stranger in, in T20 where, you know, the crowd's obviously a bit bigger and players are probably a bigger part in the game, getting getting sort of into the game. So I think that would have been a bit, bit different. But certainly in the first-class stuff I played this year, um, it was still really good competitive first-class cricket, that's what I'd say. Well, you've had a successful season. Um, 25 wickets, you've now taken 200 first-class wickets. And in your second game, you got 12 wickets in the game against Gloucestershire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, it was just, like I say, it was nice to play this year and nice to um, nice to take, take some wickets. I, I mean, I'd exchanged a few of those wickets for a few more wins as a team. We did, there's a couple of games we should have won, that Gloucester game being one of them. And a bit later on against the Glamorgan, I think we should have, should have probably won that game as well. So it would have been nice to get a few more wins, but from a personal point of view, yeah, to to take some wickets and, and, and kick on where I had from where it's finished 2019 was really, really satisfying. So, yeah, I was, I was pretty pleased with, with my work this summer. And I noticed in the last game you scored 19. 
Are you going to get a maiden of 50 one day? Literally, I, I, you, you just there. I mean, I said my to-do list had been county capped to get county capped. My to-do, on my to-do list as well is to try get a, a 50. A first class 50 would be would be um, would be definitely close to the top of my to-do list in county cricket. Yeah. Now, I think Phil Tufnell only got one uh, first class 50, and you always hear him talk about that. But uh, hopefully, that's something you can tick off the tick off the list one day. Yeah, and that's the problem being a tail ender is they, they always let you down the other end as well. You know, if I'm if I'm in the form of my life one day and I'm in, you know, the guy if the guy at the other end gets out, then that's it, then isn't it? You know, it's rubbish. <laughs> now, one thing that unfortunately you won't be able to do this winter is um, go on tour. And last winter, in November, you went to Nepal and uh, near the Himalayas, and in uh, February, you went to Pakistan. How, how did those two opportunities come about? Uh, well, I saw I knew an, an MCC tour to Nepal was coming up, and I'd, uh, I'd sort of put my hand up for that from a, a long way out, maybe a year out, saying, "Yeah, that's something I definitely want to do." There were some great lads on the tour. We had a few Warwickshire players in Will Rhodes, and uh, Alex Thompson was on the tour as well, and um, and Chris Wright, an expert, was um, was on the tour as well. So that was that was great. Just a brilliant experience just to go to Nepal, a country I'd never normally play, never normally um, visit. And they're just cricket mad. I didn't realise how cricket mad they are. You know, it's essentially northern, northern. It's on the north India. It's, it borders northern India. That's what I'm trying to say. Um, so they're just cricket mad. Absolutely love the cricket there. And just to play, to be able to play cricket in that environment where people are cricket crazy and you know, you got the Himalayas surrounding you. It was just, yeah, really, really special. Really great, great fun, great tour. And then the, and then the Pakistan one was just, a, I don't know how long, you know, that had been in the pipeline from the MCC, but that happened pretty, pretty quickly. You know, maybe Christmas time or just after, there was this sort of email came around saying, that, you know, there's a tour to Pakistan to play, to take cricket back there. Do you fancy it? And I was like, yeah, of course, I'd, um, I'd love to go there. So it was captained by Kumar Sangakara. It was great. Great storyline that he he was obviously involved in those terrorist attacks ten years ago. So for him to take a cricket tour back to Pakistan was pretty special for him. And again, was just a brilliant, brilliant experience to sort of take cricket back to Pakistan after all those years and be the first MCC side or the first English side to go there in such a long time was was absolutely fantastic. And again, we got a brilliant reception. There were thousands there watching us. It was just a brilliant, brilliant experience and a great thing to be part of. Yeah, as an MCC member myself, um, the MCC do do a vital role in developing the game uh, going on these sort of tours. When you were in Pakistan, uh, how did you feel safety-wise? Well, I'm gonna lie, it was pretty daunting. The foot, you get off the plane and there's a, there's a security guard there from the army with an you know, AK-47 and you get onto this bus and you think, well, this is a bit dingy, this bus, and then you realise the walls are a foot thick and you know the windows are only tiny little... Um, portholes like in ships so it, that was a bit daunting so you thought gosh what have I got myself into and then pretty quickly it was like this it was just a bit of overkill that like any time we moved in the city we played most of our games at a school called the Atchison College which would have been about a 300 yard walk from our hotel door over a dual carriageway but obviously knowing how dual carriageways work you know we could have walked there but we weren't allowed so we had to get on the dual carriageway, drive up a mile to the roundabout, go around the roundabout and drive back again to go to Aitchison College. And they shut the city. For us to make this two-minute journey, the, the, the roads are shut for just half an hour before, half an hour after. So we get on this bus and you see, you see these lines of traffic waiting for us to take, 
And they're thinking, we could have walked this easily and like, it wouldn't matter. And they were just like, no, no, security says we've got to do this. So it was just, it was massive. You know, we felt hun- like 100% safe because of all these measures in place. But it was a bit of a felt, you think, oh, we're not this important. We don't, we don't <laughs> need we don't need all the security you know we'd happily walk across the, the road just to go to school but you know it was we, we felt safe you know like i said it was a bit daunting to start with but um pretty quickly it became yeah we're safe here and we uh yeah we're, we're being very well looked after and the cricket was it was a good standard because i see you had uh samit patel uh ravi bapara were also on the trip yeah yeah and again like will Rhodes again was on the trip just for more actually yeah it was it was a good standard and we played some good teams we played Pakistan here we played the, the Multan Sultans who were a, a PSL side and we played Lahore Calanders as well so yeah it was a, re- a really good standard of, uh, of cricket it was really really good and do you think England should go across to Pakistan in January well I mean I, I don't know what, what the dates are but I mean I would imagine it's imminent I think it's, you know I think Pakistan certainly from when I went there they, they did everything they possibly could to um, make us feel safe. Don't get me wrong, we weren't allowed out of the hotel at all, so you did feel a bit stuck in the hotel. We were there for a week, and after a week, like, oh, getting a bit sort of claustrophobic now, you'd like to get out and about a bit more. So the England guys, they'd be there for a lot longer. So I don't know how that would be. But and also, you know, I think Pakistan did us a, a big favour coming over this summer, didn't they? Um, being in the bubble and, and playing over here, I think they, they, they did us a big favour. So I would imagine we, we owe, owe them one back. So whether they go in January, whether they go in a few years' time, I'm not sure. But I think I think it's pretty imminent. And, and I think Pakistan is, you know, a cricketing powerhouse, isn't it? And it's such a shame that, that cricket can't be played there. So I think for Pakistan as a country, I think for an, a, tour, a side like England to go on a tour would be, would be brilliant. Oh, I certainly agree there. Both Pakistan and, and the West Indies, we owe them both a great debt and... And county cricket uh, must owe them a great debt as well for coming over and playing this summer. Yeah, definitely. I mean, just and just from a cricket fan point of view, just to be able to, instead of the monotony of lockdown, just for that cricket to be on telly was just an absolute godsend, wasn't it? Just for the the, the normality of a day's watching the day watching the cricket and you know the the punditry starting at half ten and finishing at half six and just the the nice rhythm to a day watching the cricket and having your lunch at one o'clock and then tea. At, at four was just yeah it was that was a lovely and just a, a lovely thing in the middle of a horrible time wasn't it just to be able to watch all that oh i agree there i think um with people being furloughed i think i probably watched more cricket on my television because she just couldn't go to a game this this yeah. summer so. and it was great it was great cricket as well wasn't it both the west indies and the pakistan um series were brilliant brilliant games of cricket yeah there were so many highlights and the future for yourself uh obviously hoping to play for several more years yeah definitely i mean i'm I'm 31 now but I, I like to keep myself pretty fit so certainly my intentions to intentions to play as long as i possibly can um and, and keep sort of doing what i'm doing i you know i played a lot of red ball cricket these last few years i certainly haven't given up on on white ball cricket either so i'd like to get sort of get back into the t20 side and then the 50 over side if i can but just to keep playing as long as i possibly can and keep keep taking wickets i, I love Love doing what I do, so as long as I can keep doing that, I'll, I'll keep doing it. Well, thank you very much for being with me on the paddock and the pavilion this morning, and the very best of luck for the future. No, thank you very much for having me. I've enjoyed it. Take care, and, uh, and hopefully see you in the flesh sometime. <laughs> yeah, hopefully, yeah. Thank you very much. I would like to give special thanks to Margot Webley for her PR work and voiceovers on the paddock and the pavilion. Thank you for listening to the paddock and the pavilion. 
You can download the show on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter and Facebook at The Pad and Pad. Sports Social Podcast Network.